0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Marriage is hard. You don't need me to tell you this, but I feel like we need to acknowledge that right off the bat and just get that out there on the table, that marriage is hard. And that doesn't mean that there aren't countless myriad blessings that come with it. But we don't do it justice if we also acknowledge that it's not always a pleasure cruise, right? Sometimes you've got to batten down the hatches, and you're just fighting through trying to stay afloat. Marriage is hard. It's hard work. And it's not necessarily made any easier by this straightforward word of our Lord Jesus in today's gospel, that husbands and wives are called to be inseparable, now, let me just speak for myself for a moment. I'm so grateful to have a loving, patient wife. We've been married for 14 years, thanks be to God. And that hasn't always been super easy, right? We are normal people, believe it or not, with normal problems and challenges. And I'm so grateful for the years that I've had with her, and God grants us many more. We're fortunate also that both of our uh, parents who... Ann's folks were with us today, I guess. My folks who are still together after many years of marriage. I know that that's not the case for many folks, and so we are grateful for that as well. But I also know so many folks who have been divorced, friends, even fellow pastors. And I realize that divorce is not just another thing that you do, one of the other challenges that we have in life, but it is really like a death. And just like with any death, you don't need other people telling you like, oh, I know what you're going through. I know the pain that you're feeling. I, for one, can't speak to that. And I'm not going to stand up here and pretend like, oh, let me tell you what divorced people deal with. I don't know that. and I want to be honest about that. And so I come with some trepidation to the topic that's laid in our laps from today's gospel. It's unavoidable. Jesus puts it right there, this topic of divorce. I come to it with trepidation, recognizing that, uh, personally, I don't have a whole lot of authority to talk about this. I also come to it with trepidation, trepidation because I know, for some of us, it might seem like it's too specific of a topic. You just want to tune out right now, you're like, well, haven't been divorced, maybe I'm not even married, and so this doesn't have to do anything with me. And I was thinking about that this week. But then I started thinking about our community of faith. I started laying all of you on my heart as I do each week as I'm preparing to deliver the sermon, picturing God's people who are gathered here. And I know that for some of you, you do know this awful pain of divorce. You've been through it. And for those of you who haven't personally been divorced, nevertheless, many of you are the children of divorce. Or maybe your own children are divorced. And even for those of us who haven't lived in that awful space, we all live in a culture that isn't the most hospitable to a man and woman lifelong union. Am I right? You guys know the statistics. The one that blew me away this week, though, was the average length. The average length for a first marriage right now is eight years. Eight years. We all live in this world. And furthermore, as members of the church, we also have to say that within churches, this topic tends to still be taboo, right? This is one of those things that we just don't talk about. Don't ask, don't tell, right? We're just not going to bring it up. On the one hand, it might be because we just treat it too casually and we're like, yeah, this is a fact of life. Or on the other hand, we're like, oh no, if you're divorced, then you are unclean and you are cast out. Whatever our approach to it, though, too often churches won't even address it. But Jesus addresses it, and he addresses you and me with this word this morning. And so my invitation to all of us is to draw near to our Lord, to hear what he has to say about this topic. It's a hard word, but I hope that we'll also see that there's a word of grace here for all of us. So let's draw near and listen to Jesus. The context for this conversation is, as often happens in the Gospels, you've got some of the religious leaders, the opponents of our Lord, who are coming to him in order to trap him, right? And they're like, oh, hey, Jesus, what do you think about divorce, huh? Now, this is one of those situations where you can just sense, it's like when your kids come to you and they're like, hey, mom says we can't have ice cream, what do you think? Hmm. As every dad knows, it's whatever mom said. That's, that's the answer, right? Uh, so they come to Jesus, not genuinely wanting to know an answer to this question, but trying to triangulate him between Moses and say, okay, what is it that you are going to say about this? And so Jesus just puts it back to them. Well, what does Moses say about it? They're like, well, Moses said that. We can just send somebody away. We can just send our wives away with a certificate of divorce. I mean, they're still interested in the bureaucracy side of it, right? Well, we've got to make sure that we've got all our paperwork, okay? That's the important thing. But notice, they assume, they assume divorce. The only thing, if anything, that there's a debate about is what are the grounds for divorce. You may know that in that society, for men, their grounds could be pretty much anything. There's a famous rabbinical text that even talks about that if your toast is too toasty, well, you might have to send her away, right? You just can't have a wife who doesn't know how to make good toast. Uh, It's absurd. It's ridiculous. But it underscores just the view of marriage and divorce that was common in that culture at that time. So if we come and we hear this word of Jesus and we're like, this is really hard. It must have been way easier back then. Don't be fooled. What Jesus says here is just as radical then as it is still today. And radical is the right word for it, because this is where Jesus wants to go to. He wants to go to the radix, to the root of things. He's like, look, you guys, you want to just try and and bicker and debate, do some casuistry about what might be the grounds for divorce? But let's go back to the divine design. Right at the very beginning, how has God created us? He's made us. Male and female, women pulled from the rib of man, meant for one another. This is God's divine design of a one-flesh, lifetime union between man and wife. And in so doing, for husband and wife living in that faithfulness to one another to be a mirror of God's faithfulness, for his people that kind of lifetime covenant this is god's divine design this is how he created marriage from the very beginning one man one wife one lifetime and in doing that reflecting the unshakable unassailable love of god who has created us and redeemed us and made us for one another amen that's the divine design and jesus says how have y'all done with that right god has joined us together as man and wife. That's a divine work. It's not a human work. What is a human work, Jesus says? It's when humans destroy it. It's when humans pull it apart. That is not the work of God. God is in the business of uniting, of bringing together. Humans do divorce. That's our awful work. Undoing and unraveling the cord that God has brought together. This is the word that Jesus has to say for you and me. And you notice the disciples themselves, whom as far as we know, none of them had been divorced, and yet they're still taken aback by this, right? And so afterwards, they need to call a huddle with Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, can you tell us more about divorce? Can you tell us how you didn't really mean what you said? Can you give us a whole list of all of the exceptions? Can we hear the footnotes, Lord, in the fine print? And Jesus says, yeah, let me give you some more footnotes and fine print. He says, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Thanks, Jesus. It doesn't get any easier. Now, elsewhere in the scriptures, exceptions are made. One, in the case of, of infidelity and adultery also in the case of a couple is married an unbelieving spouse wants to divorce scriptures make allowance for that there's other topics that the scriptures either didn't foresee or just for whatever reason didn't address when we talk about an abuse situation i think absolutely this is the the kind of grounds in which divorce is not only permissible but necessary but even when we take into account these exceptions we need to recognize that it is radical surgery when it happens, that it's not like just you know dissolving a business partnership or removing a mole. It's more like an amputation, see. An extreme situation that nobody wants to face maybe we might even think about this it's like dividing conjoined twins, because you have been made as one flesh. Perhaps, sometimes, they need to be brought apart but that ever and always is the last resort because God has created us, intended us, husband and wife, to be inseparable. All right, everybody take a deep breath. Lord, what does this have to say for you and me today? Well, There's a number of things. And I think we can sum it up when we talk about what does this mean for our Christian life? I think in a word that it's meant to be Inseparable. But let me unpack that. First of all, our view of marriage, our lives, whether we be married, husbands and wives, single, divorced, widowed, that we are to view this as inseparable from our overall life of discipleship. See, I think sometimes we separate this. Like, okay, to be a disciple is, you know, my, my life of uh, a quiet time, reading the Bible and praying, my, my life in serving others and doing my vocation. That's my life of faith. That's discipleship. And then I've got this other thing over here, which is my life as a, a married person or a single person or a widow or what have you. But Jesus wants us to see, to subsume our view of marriage under the overall banner of discipleship. And in many ways, if you are married, or even if you're not This is a primary way in which we do live out our discipleship. When Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him, it's precisely in the context of those relationships that we have with one another whether it be as married people or as single people or as otherwise, that's where he has called you to live out your life as a disciple, not in some other rarefied, abstract air where people are, you know, they don't have those kind of relationships, they aren't married, they aren't divorced. No, it's in that context, in that place where Jesus says, you are mine there. Don't view your life of relationship, husband and wives, as somehow separate from your life of following me. It's inseparable. And that means that we ought to offer it continually up to the Lord. Secondly, yes, just to reiterate and underscore, we're inseparable and meant to be inseparable as husband and wife. Forgive me for underscoring this and belaboring the point, but it needs to be said in our day and age where this... You know, divorce is just viewed as a personal matter, as a private taboo. From God's perspective, marriage is intended to be inseparable. That's the way that it's supposed to be. And listen, when we uh, commit, uh, as I've, I've done a couple of weddings in the last few weeks, when you make those vows, there aren't footnotes on them. There aren't maybes in there. And also when you say, I will, not just I do, but I will, you're making a vow, a promise in the sight of God. It's not based on feelings. It's not so long as I still like this guy or gal, but it is a promise. It's a promise that I will continue loving this person for better, for worse, for richer, for poor. There's a reason we exact those vows, because nobody only lives in the world of better and rich. All of us undulate between richer and poor better and worse. And so we make these promises to be inseparable. And I like the way that Chad Byrd puts it. Chad, as a friend of Arcadia, he was here recently, a theologian. He himself has suffered the effects of divorce, used to be a pastor in our church body, and is not anymore. Because of his divorce, he knows what he's talking about when he speaks on this. And he says, look, husbands and wives, here's what you need to do when it comes to your relationship and especially in the hard times. He needs to t- you need to take away the keys from the fat lady and throw them away. You know that saying, it's not over till the fat lady sings, right? He says, you need to take her keys and throw them away and not view divorce as just one more possibility or option. Instead, right off the bat, you got to burn those boats and say, we are in this for the long haul. That's where we start from. We don't start from that place of all of the exceptions and the outs. It's good to just have different options. Maybe this is going to work out. Maybe it's not. We start by throwing away the fat lady's keys and recognizing that we are created to be inseparable as husbands and wives. This is God's word for you and for me but let me zoom out and also talk about his word for we. I think that's bad grammar, but it rhymed for a second. For us. See, as I alluded to already, we tend to view in our culture and in the church marriage as just a private and personal matter. But listen, it's not just that. I want to reframe it also as a a corporate and public matter as well. Again, when we have the rite of holy matrimony, when folks are, are married before the altar of God, they do so even in the smallest marriages before a couple of witnesses. More commonly, they're doing it in the company of family and friends and fellow church members. And the church itself vows and prays to support this couple, to encourage them, to come alongside them. And listen, for us as the church, we need to be the kind of church that doesn't say, well, you're having trouble at home, too bad for you, Glad it's not like that for me. But instead to be the kind of people who come alongside one another, to encourage each other. How are you doing, see? How can I help you? How can I admonish you? What does that look like? Let me give you just kind of a trivial example. First of all, uh, some friends of ours, the Zigglers, who were here a few weeks ago, their son Josiah, who's in college now, when he was younger, say, he was five, six years old, maybe even younger than that, Sometimes. When he would hear his parents kind of bickering or arguing or one of them just being sarcastic with one another, Josiah would just look at them, cross his arms and say, Dad, hmm, or Mom, hmm. And it was his gentle kid way of kind of saying, hey, don't forget your vows, right? Don't remember that you are one flesh. It's okay for you to argue. That's going to be part of it but don't forget who you are as a couple. And I think within the context of the congregation, as one another, we can encourage and sometimes admonish one another to remember in those hard times, hey, you're with each other, right? But even more so to be an agent of grace in the lives of each other, to bless one another and to say, hey, how are you guys really doing? And how can I help? Maybe for those of us with kids, you can come alongside and say, can I help you with a date night sometime? or for those of us who are older or perhaps widowed in that situation too, do you need some company? But whatever it is, not to let this be taboo, but to get it out there and to recognize our whole church, our whole community is invested in healthy marriages in that one flesh permanent union. Listen, I've gone too long already, but let me leave you with this last word of grace. Because when we ask, What has God joined together? We need to recognize first and foremost that what God has joined together is you to himself. Every last one of you. When he called you by faith, when he claimed you in holy baptism, when he said, you are mine, and joined you to himself, what God has joined together, no one is able to separate Neither life nor death, neither singleness nor widowhood, neither marriage nor divorce is able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Nothing in all creation is able to separate you from his love. Don't ever believe anything other than that. Because his will for you, now and always, is that one flesh union, husband and wife, yes. But God and his creatures, and you and him, are inseparable. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to confess our faith.